You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. It is uh, now 17 minutes before 5 o'clock. We're in conversation next with Professor David Everett, who's a professor of urban governance. So a new survey has revealed that the electorate has shown its interest for the opposition parties, in particular coalitions such as the multi-party charter. The survey interviewed over 9,000 people from across the country. Among the findings, five provinces are likely to be held um, by a coalition government, and one of the top voter priorities is linked to addressing unemployment to tell us more about these findings, we are joined by Professor David Everett. Prof, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, Prof, I just want to start off here, just clarity on, on the survey, um, because the Daily Maverick article is saying that, um, while referring to you as uh, urban governance, uh, Professor David Everett uh, was doing this for Change Starts Now, which is uh, run, of course, by Roger Jardine. Can you confirm that? Yes, they contracted me to do the survey for them. They contracted you to do the survey for them. Okay. So what is it that you were looking at? Um, I mean, it was an interesting survey because Chain Starts now hadn't launched yet. Um, And so they really wanted to understand the politics. I mean, the lay of the land. And uh, they commissioned a very large sample, a 9,000 sample survey that we ran November up until I think we ended on the 10th of December. So we we just hit the chain starts now launch and we missed some controversies with so some of the things that are happening right now are not in the survey, but the rest of it I think stands uh, stands quite well. Yeah, and looking at those, the five provinces likely to be held by a coalition government for me that is interesting <laughs> considering um, the dominance of the ANC in some of those provinces, including the likes of Mpumalang. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think five provinces are going to be held by coalition. Uh, mm. I, th- I think uh, I think interestingly, the Western Cape may be held by a coalition because the DA has dropped below fifty percent. Um, KwaZulu Natal is clearly uh, beyond the reach uh, of the ANC. Uh, we think which is polling in the twenty percent, and it looks like a DA, IFP, and some others coalition or the multi-party charter, if they play it that way, they'll be in charge. Kauteng, the ANC is at 35, and so, uh, you know, it, it can still call the shots in the sense of deci- it will decide who it wants to go into a coalition mm-hmm. with. Um, and then you have the free stage where the ANC is a bit stronger at 41 than Northern Cape, it's, it's 42. So those are provinces where if there's a coalition, it'll be at, at, the, uh, at the ANC's decision as to who they're going to coalition with. They'll still be the largest party, but not a majority party. Yeah. Um, looking at Gauteng... And, uh, I, sorry, could I, could I just say, Aldrin, there, there, there's a difference between the multi-charty, uh, the, the pact, yeah. and the word coalition. The word coalition in the survey was really not welcomed. The coalitions have a very bad reputation at the moment, and the population don't like them. And in our focus groups, people across the board, uh, race, class, whatever were saying, we don't understand why there are so many opposition parties. Why can't they all just come together? And the Moonshot Pact is exactly that. It's a whole bunch of parties coming together. And so what we did in the survey was we read out the Moonshot Pact description of itself. And once we did that to people, they loved the idea. So I think there's a distinction between Mm. a, a formal coalition or an informal coalition, which we're currently being governed by in many cities, which people really don't like, 
and the notion of a pact that ties people together, but not in that uh, coalition sense. Yeah. That's very attractive. So, so, so that for me also is very interesting because um, how do you define what a um, what the a moonshot pact is or the multi-party charter is in the absence of a binding contractual agreement which they have said that they will not be going into, but instead they're relying on a pact that um, we will work in accordance to the rules that we have drafted um, to achieve those rules, which for me sounds quite similar to what the DA has been trying to do with the, the coalition governments that have been set up where the DA is leading with the city of Johannesburg, the city of um, the city of Tuane, as well as Ikurileni. And even then it has collapsed. Yes, I think what people want to know is the rules of the game. Uh, and so the rules need to be clear up front, uh, and they're not in, in the existing coalition, uh, which appear to many of, our, of the respondents in the survey to be coalitions either uh, of convenience or of corruption, uh, and which is why coalition as a word has a bad reputation. But if you have a pact that comes together and says, this is the rules of the game, this is how we're going to play the game, we are separate entities, but we're going to come together in this way, and this person will be the leader. That's what people are looking for. I think they see squabbles amongst leaders, whether they're as, as uh, important as, as Ramaphosa or you know, the smallest party. They see those leadership squabbles as very damaging, and they really don't like them. Uh, and I think the, the level of contestation and rudeness in, in South African politics is really alienating a lot of voters. Um, and turning them away from voting at all, let alone choosing one of these parties. Yeah, and that's the point that you make even about the multi-party charter members, so-called, um, looking at how, for instance, Michael Bowman was responding to um, exactly. uh, to John Steenhazen and his reference to... Uh, his reference to the guys in Gauteng, referring <laughs> to them have, having been picked up in taverns and uh, wearing uniform that comes from pep stores. Yes, and I think you know there's, there's a level of uh, political maturity that is required for a pact to operate properly. Uh, I'm not sure any of the, the leaders are yet displaying that level of maturity. But it's a unique moment. I mean, I've polled since 1994. There has never been a vehicle or an opposition vehicle that had the potential that this MPC is, is suggesting it does. You know, no party has walked in and said, I can potentially get about half the votes in the country. But when, when we found people who had heard of the MPC, uh, half of them wanted to vote for it tomorrow. Now, that's remarkable, you know, to get one in two. And, and the other one in two are very clear they don't want it. But no party is, uh, you know, we applaud parties when they emerge and they get one or two or three percent. We say, good start, well done, that's a really good. But these guys, could, guys, and they are all guys, by the way. You, that's one of the problems, I think, is 11 male leaders standing there. Um, but if they could capitalize on that, that would really disrupt the election and be different from any election we've had since democracy. Did the survey at all look at the element to the amendment of um, the Electoral Act that it would allow um, independent candidates to contest and if that could have any impact at all to what we're seeing in the provincial legislatures as well at the National Assembly? No, we didn't go that far, but I've no doubt that... I mean, voters, I think, at the moment are very frustrated. Uh, the danger is that we just turn them away. Uh, and I think independents, uh, if you think about people like Jackie Asmat in the Western Cape, independents who come with a reputation uh, and a gravitas, uh, I think they are likely to be vote attractors. And hopefully they will go on to disrupt uh, the status quo because heaven knows that's what we need to happen.
And then 80, 80% of those surveyed said that they want to vote, but many have not yet registered, which is, of course, a big concern. Of course, we come out of the um, out of the um, registration weekend now, still waiting for the IEC to tell us by how much the numbers have increased. But already the 27 million is above what we've ever had in this country, 27 million. But it's nearly half of 43 million um, yes. who are eligible to register to vote. Um, but we only have 27 million of that 43 million being um, being registered. It's a catastrophic failure. I mean, however you want to look at it, uh, you know, the, and it's a failure. Uh, you know, the, the, the article says it's easy to talk about voter apathy uh, and, you know, blame the voter. But the voters will register if there's something worth registering and voting for. At the moment, they look at politics and they think it stinks. And there's no one who is talking to them about their lives. There are lots of, there's lots of posturing, lots of legal stuff, lots of fights, lots of rudeness, but no one is actually talking to them about the, about the bread and butter of their lives. And so they're staying away. Uh, and I think that will continue to erode the legitimacy of whoever, is, whoever does form the government. Uh, and, and it is the political parties who are at fault. It's not the voters' fault if they don't register. If you gave them something to register for, they'd register. And do you look at all, um, Prof, at the previous uh, polls that have been conducted and even polls that have been conducted by political parties um, to inform the survey as well as the methodology that you use? Because I see, as the Daily Maverick is reporting, that um, Mr. Schreiber from the Democratic Alliance is saying that um, this particular poll or this particular research underestimates um, the support for the Democratic Alliance. Well, I'm, I'm never surprised when a DA MP tells me that the DA is not showing well enough in a survey that I've done. I mean, I, it's not really a critique. I think that all the parties are doing their own polls. Uh, they're doing very different ones. The DA, as I understand it, do a poll every week. Um, Chainsaw's now done one. Uh, some use telephone polls. Others, as we did, use field, field work polls. You know, it differs enormously. I think the only thing that pollsters do is try and steal good questions from each other. Um, but m- frankly, most of the questions are fairly obvious ones, and we know them well. But the methods are, are very, very different. And although it's boring to do, I think readers and listeners are, are strongly urged to look at the way in which a survey was conducted, who conducted it, how was it done, uh, and who's talking to you. As I say, there's nothing wrong with Leon Schreiber talking about it, but he's a DANT. I would hardly regard him as, as a, uh, an independent-minded commentator on all polls. And that's not an insult. It's just a fact of life. Uh, part of the multi-party, multi-party um, charter as well is that not working with the ANC, not working with the EFF as well. Um, did your respondents at all reflect on those two political parties? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting that the two things are happening. If people are offered, and we asked this, if people are offered a coalition, the word they don't like, the coalition that is most attractive is an ANC-EFF coalition. In other words, if we said you have to have one of these choices, second was an ANC-DA, uh, and then there were all the others, ANC-IFP, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when you offer them the multi-party charter, which by definition excludes the ANC and the EFF, suddenly there's real potential there to go into much bigger numbers, uh, and then every second voter would be interested. So I think... There is a clear kind of, if you like, African nationalist moment in which the EFF and the ANC are seen as the automatic parties. But when you give people a range of choices across coalitions and pacts, it's the MPC that actually comes out uh, as the one with the most promise 
Although if you add the ANC and the EFF together, obviously they already can claim X number of votes, which the NPC can't. And this 9,000 respondents, um, it is a vast, diverse category that we're speaking about. Oh, yes. I mean, this is spread uh, across all provinces. Uh, as I said in my little blurb, it's mm. spread across urban and rural. And I think that's important because the rural is often what people don't do. Uh, certainly in telephone surveys, it's, it's rather weak. And also so rural field work is expensive. So people tend to do a small number of interviews and put a big weight on top of it. We went out and interviewed everyone where they lived, in their home, in their language of choice, uh, and did it exactly the way uh, a decent survey should be run. So it should be reflecting uh, all the complexities of this country. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, Prof, but was there any indication from the contract that you received from uh, from Change Starts Now that there's a possibility at all of Roger Jardine becoming the face of the multi-party charter? And that's the reason that they wanted you to look into this. I don't think they'd be be foolish enough to share their strategy. (laughs) Um, But certainly that's a point that I made to them when I presented the results, is that, uh, you know, he already, I mean, he he was, at at the time that we did the survey, Chainstart now had not launched. He was the chair of a a bank board, and yet one in two people in, in, in in the respondents knew his name. So he's clearly got something going that we don't quite understand. And given the way in which uh, the members of, of the Moonshot Pact are already known, have their ups, but also have their downs, uh, you know, moving something like Chain Starts now into that leadership uh, is an obvious and clean solution. But again, you know, whether that is even feasible, whether the other parties would contemplate it, whether they have uh, the maturity to stomach that and have someone else as the leader, uh, I have no idea. That's, that's above my pay grade. Thank you so much for your time. Professor David Everett, um, who's from the Witz School of Governance.